You know, we forget some, so many times how we forget that our warfare, our battles are not with flesh and blood. You'd say, well, yeah, but I got people that are, you know, mad at me or this or that, or they've talked about it. They've gossiped on me. They've told lies. But our battle is not with flesh and blood. Think about that. Our battle is, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, our battles are far beyond a humanistic standpoint. Wow. Now, isn't that encouraging today? <laughs> that our battles are far against the human dimension, if you would. But then we go on to Second Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read to you what Paul also wrote to the, a different church. But he writes to it along the same topic that I'll be preaching to you for from or for this morning is that the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. You see the similarity there? We we don't fight our our our, our struggles, our fight is not against flesh. But then he goes on to write the, to a separate group of people, a separate church, he says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So Paul's not saying that we don't fight back. But you can't fight spiritual battles with fleshly bodies. Are you with me this morning? You can't fight spirit with flesh. Okay? The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I, I want to preach to you for the next few moments about pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. Uh, first, I think you can pick up on the fact that I want us to identify the strategy of the enemy. Paul teaches that our assailant is operating in a quatrain tactic, if you would, in a tactic of four, if you would. He speaks of rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. It's a massive assault. It's a, it, it, it's a combined assault. But I want you to know that when we look in Acts chapter 12, we see an example that Jesus faced the same attack because in Acts chapter 12, verse 4, you read there and I think, I think there is a direct similarity or uh, a connection to be made here because in Acts 12 and 4, we find that there Jesus was delivered to four quadrants of soldiers. He was a man that was a, a meek man, a lowly man. The, the Bible teaches us that. And, and, and he was not 
comely to look upon. He was, he was not some buff guy that was real handsome, a movie star. He was not a prize fighter. He was not a, he was not a big macho wrestler or anything like that. No, Jesus was just a very common man, maybe even a very frail man in appearance according to what we know by the word. But yet when he was come when it come time for him to be apprehended, we find that Jesus was apprehended by four quatrains of soldiers. I believe that has direct connection to rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces. I want you to know when the enemy comes, brings you and I under attack, He's not necessarily bringing you and I under attack or the, the strongholds that we face are not necessary. It's not necessarily about you. You may be world famous. You may be, uh, you may be known far and wide. Uh, then again, nobody may not even know your name in this room today. But the reality of it is, it's not us in ourself that the enemy desires to bring attack upon. It's, it's not, it's not you and I and it's not my name. It's not how much money any of us could have in the bank or where we've been or what we've done. It's not any of those things at all. But when we identify with the name of Jesus, then the enemy has brought us under assault. He's looking to bring us under assault. He's looking to set up strongholds against us. In other words, we must realize that we're living in enemy territory. We must realize that we're living in enemy territory. And I, and I say that because three times in John's gospel, Jesus refer, refers or makes reference to Satan as being the prince of this world. Now let me uh, let me clarify something for you this morning. God has never lost control. He never has and he never will. God has God has has never uh found a time when he's had to look over at the at the son and the holy spirit and say, "Oh my goodness, I have lost control." He's never had the son come to him and say, Father, do you know this is going on? And him say, mm, shucks, I've never heard of that. I don't know what's, I, no, I did not know this was going on. I'm glad you told me. No, God sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. And God is sovereign. God is in control. But in all of that, in all of the plan of God. And if you have a problem with his plan, you would have to talk to him about it and not me because I can't fix it and I can't do anything about it. But in reality, neither can you. But in God's plan, in God's plan, when when Satan and, the, and, and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven, were cast out of the heavenly realm, out of the heavenly bodies, they found their domain on earth. Sometimes you will hear people say in slang expression, they will say and they will make reference to wishing somebody was in hell with Satan or they will make expressions saying something about in hell with Satan. I want you to know Satan is not there yet. Now he will be. He's going to be. But right now his domain is this earth that we live and we walk on. In fact, we find that the Bible says that, that, that he, he is, he is, 
going about this earth as a roaring lion, a lion, a roaring lion, de- de- depicting one that is that is hungry, that is looking for prey, and he is devouring whomever he can. So we live, you and I, we live, even as believers, even as non-believers, we live in a world, yes, that God is in control, God still has authority over, but yet it is the domain that Satan and all his imps of hell, if you would, live in. Job said in chapter 1, verse 7, uh, we find that the Lord speaks to Satan. He, and he, the Lord says to Satan, where, where did you come from? Where have you come from? Now, it's not like he didn't know who he was. It's not like that he didn't realize who he was. It's not that he didn't consider who he was. But he said, where, where did you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, I came from roaming throughout the earth. I came from going back and forth on it. So we're living in enemy territory. And because we're living in enemy territory, please understand with me that we are going to have battles. This is how I fight my battle. I ask the team to sing that on purpose this morning. We haven't done it probably in a couple years or so. But, but, but I asked them to do it on purpose because we are going to have battles. We do have battles. We will have battles until I find that Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonia. He said, until he that now lets, uh, uh comes and he takes the church. He be, ta- he takes the church and he that now letteth will be taken out of the way. And, and, and what Paul is talking about there is when the when the rapture of the church takes place, when the church is caught up out of this world, when God says enough is enough, it says then the church will leave. Right now, abiding with the church, we go back to Acts chapter two and we discover that Jesus Jesus told before Acts chapter two, Jesus said, "I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send another comfort or another presence, and it is going to be the Holy Spirit." And He said, "He will abide with." you. Listen, the Holy Spirit abides where the church abides. When the church is taken out of this world, guess who goes with the church? The Holy Spirit. Guess who is holding back? Right now, if you and I, if we could have such spiritual eyes, it would scare us literally to death. I I have a slang saying that I have every once in a while. Somebody will say something to me and I said, well, that scares me to death and I ain't afraid of nothing. But listen, I don't care how brave you may be. I don't care how mighty of a man or, or courageous woman you may be. If we could see the spiritual warfare that is going on in the world around us, it would scare us teetotally to death. It would consume us. It would probably destroy us. But I want you to know this. There is a presence of the Holy Ghost that lives in this world. And he abides among us. And he only lets Satan do as much as God. God will allow him to do. He is the restrainer. He holds back. He holds back the destroyer. He will only let him go so far. So this is how we fight our battles. This is how we tear down strongholds. Yes, we live in enemy territory. Yes, we have an assailant. And he attacks in through the means of rulers, authorities, powers, and, and spiritual forces. And yes, he fights us. But... We have someone on our side. We have a defender on our side. Now, Paul 
defines these strongholds. Paul defines strongholds in this manner. He called them arguments. He called them pretensions. He calls them everything that wars against the knowledge of God. And he also called them holding in minds, or he said they hold in minds, holding minds in captive disobedience. So we find that the strongholds in a large portion of what we find is a mental or spiritual attack of the enemy. You say the sickness is not what's so hard. The sickness is not what's so hard. It's the, the spiritual, the mental attack on the family. The, the, the separation, the divorcement is, is, is not what's so, also hard. It's, it's the anguish that comes along with it. It's, 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 the, the, the disappointment with our children at times, it, it's, it's not the disappointment that's so hard, it's the attack that comes, the arguments, the pretensions. It's the warring against the knowledge of God that even make us sometimes say, I, well, I wonder if God, you know, God, where are you really at right now? You see, it's that war, it's that battle. The, uh, Joyce Meyer, uh, the, the, the TV preacher, she once wrote a book that's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And we find that as we define those strongholds, we must realize not that they are not real, but the battle occurs here. It occur, occurs in our heart and down in the, the heart, not, not just a fleshly muscle that pump, pumps blood, but in our heart, our deepest psych, our deepest knowledge, our, our, our deepest ability to know and to reason and realize. You see, it's with our hearts that that's, that's how we come to God. We give him our all, but it's at the heart where the enemy brings the attack. So we must. Assess our strongholds. We assess those things that are gripping our life. But now, you know, for us, most of the time, it's things like lust or addiction or infidelities and and immoralities and all kinds of other things we can think of. You know, through the years of the church, you know, you know, we used to have just I remember growing up in. In, in around holiness, the holiness movement, Pentecostals and holiness movement, and he, even the Baptist movement. I remember when I, man, man, I got, I got drugged to church. Some Saturday nights I'd be Baptist. Some Saturday nights I'd go with my aunt and uncle. Some Saturday nights I would be Methodist. Some Sundays, most Sundays I was Assembly of God through that time. But, but I'd, I'd just be where, wherever we landed at in church, you know, whatever tent meeting we landed at, that's what we were in that time. And we, and we had, we had like, uh, I think it was the five biggies, if I can remember them all this morning. It was like cussing, chewing, drinking, smoking, and chasing after women. And we used to confine strongholds to just a handful of things. But strongholds go much deeper than that because when we read what Paul says, he says, Paul, Paul says that strongholds, and again, these are things that occur within, within our mind, within our spirits, if you would, strongholds occur through 
imaginations and evil thoughts, thoughts of unbelief. All of these things warring against the will of God. You see, what or who controls our mind is also controlling what our thoughts will also be. I'm going to tell on myself. I'm not proud of this, but I'm going to tell on myself. You know, you know, some of you all know I made the dreadful mistake uh, about a year ago, and I bought another Ford. You know, be sure your sins will find you out. You know, we went to our team Peru. We went to Peru in August. What day did we leave? August twentieth, something like that. I took. I took my Ford. You know, Ford made a car one time. They named it the Mystique. I think that was a misprint. I think it was called the Mistake. You know, the Ford Mistake. For all you Ford lovers out there. I took my Ford to the shop. I had to have something done to it before I could get a Virginia State Inspection sticker on it. I left it at the shop. I said, man, don't be in no hurry. I'll pick it up when I get back. I won't be, I'll be gone for close to two weeks. So don't, don't, you don't have to be in a real big hurry. Oh man, sure, we'll have it by then. I got, we got back from Peru. Got back from Peru. I really didn't feel too well when we got back from Peru for several days. I didn't even get to the shop. It, it was almost three weeks before I went by the shop. And guess what? The Ford wasn't fixed. Ah, we're about to get it. We're about to wrap it up. I like this guy. I like his shop. I'll go back to him. So I said, okay. Waited a week and a half later. I go back by. And one of the, one of the guys that work in the shop, he come up, he said, we're working on your truck. I, honest, honest. I, we're working on your truck. And it, you know, it's been on, been sitting in a bay up on the lift, you know, this time. We're working on your, honest, we're honest, we're getting it. And so the owner of the shop comes in and he said, uh, he said, they tell you about your truck? I said, no, no. But let me tell you what, before I tell you what happens. I'm laying in bed at night or in, early, in the early hours of the morning. And my wife will tell you, I let this, I let this kind of stuff happen to me, okay? It probably never happens to you, okay? But it happens to me. I'm imagining, I'm imagining, I'm imagining the worst of the worst. In my imagination, I'm imagining that what I thought was going to be about a $300 bill is probably turning into a $3,000 bill, literally. I'm imagining to replace a broken manifold is going to turn into uh, uh, the head, for those of you that are mechanically inclined, that, that the, the intake is going to have to pull off. The head is going to have to come off the truck. I may even have to buy a new cylinder head because they have broken all of the bolts off in the cylinder head. And I wake up, and I wake up, about 5.30 in the morning, and I'm in a lather of sweat, the bed's wet, I'm wet, and I'm, I'm feeling like my, the temperature of my skin is probably exceeding 300 degrees. I'm having a panic attack cause I own a stupid Ford truck. 
Okay? But you know what? The guy comes out. He said, uh, they tell you about the truck. I said, no. He said, we're having problems with it. I said, I sort of figured that. I said, you didn't break all the bolts off in the head, did you? He said, no, we just broke one off in the flange and we stopped there. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, you know, I didn't really do that in the middle of the shop, but in my spirit, I was, I, you know, sometimes we just have to shout in our spirit. Because in my mind, the enemy brought me torment. Because in my mind, I was imagining the worst. I was thinking the worst. I was, so I got down there. And no, my truck didn't get a new manifold on it. But he finally got the bolt out. He broke off. I just said, go ahead and put the pipe back on it. You know, get the broke bolt out. Put the pipe back on it. Which took him another week, by the way. But he called me and he got it back together. He changed the oil. Put my sticker on it. Put me a Flowmaster muffler on it. So at least it sounds good even though it's a Ford and 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 it all cost me two hundred and four dollars. But the enemy had driven me into a tizzy over something that didn't even happen. That was two weeks ago. Okay? See y'all think I come in here, y'all think I got everything together sometimes. Most of y'all know better than that. But everything don't come together. Everything don't do good. Don't don't do good. Pardon my English in life for me either. But the reality of it is, if I allow myself, if I allow my mind to wander, and I allow my imaginations to soar, the enemy will put me in a tizzy. He, my mom would say it this way: I'll find myself having a hissy fit. If I'm not careful, because the enemy will put things in my mind. He will put thoughts in my mind. He will cause me to dread things. And he'll cause me. Listen, don't tell. There's people sitting in this room today. You have had yourself so messed up, worrying about things, panicking over things. And then they didn't even happen. Why do we let him do that? He attacks us through our imaginations, evil thoughts, thoughts of unbeliefs. Thoughts against the will of God. And that's because the enemy is settled to attack our mind. I've already mentioned how every outward battle will create an inward battle. The things I've named like lust, addictions, infidelities, immoralities, and everything like that. You know what? When you, when you, when you look at those and you find, if you're finding yourself in those battles, if you're finding yourself struggling with those things, I can promise you if you're battling with an outward battle, there's an inward battle. Because everything starts on the inside and it comes out. Just like my panic attack. And here's the thing. The problem is usually not the problem. The problem is usually not the problem when it comes to strongholds. There's something deeper than what we see. There, there's, there's your, your heart is 
perhaps searching to, to heal a hurt or a pain, an anxiety or a depression or something that has occurred. There's something deeper. There's, there's a search. And, and when we find ourselves grasping hold of, uh, of, of the different things, and, and let me tell you, if you're here battling drug, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any other kind of addiction that is destroying your body, hear us what I want to tell you today. Your addiction is all because there's something within you that you're searching for and you're looking in all the wrong places to find what you need. And I say that because I've been there and I've done that. And I know that. And we, you know, there, there was an old country song said, looking for love in all the wrong places. Sometimes that is what we're doing, not in a, not in a, uh, not in a relationship form of a man between a woman or a woman between a man. But we're looking for what we need in all the wrong places when all the time God says, I have everything you need. And we don't fight those battles in the flesh. Because when we fight those battles in the flesh, that's when we turn to other sources. And those sources are any and everything but God. So the problem is usually not the problem. You see, the, what we do, uh, I, 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 I have, uh, I, I want to share with you what, a story that an EM, EMT worker told me that I highly respected, at least I highly respected, no, he's a highly respected EMT worker, told me one time, and, and he was talking about, we were talking about uh, different medical conditions that they address, he says, you know what, he said, uh, he said, uh, we were talking about somebody that was having severe chest pains, and I said, man, I hate that, I hate that they're going through severe chest pains, he said, no, that's a good thing. He said because, he said because when a person experiences severe chest pains, if the pain gets good enough, they'll know something is wrong. You see, the chest pain is not the problem. The problem is coming from an artery or a blood vessel or something that, 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 that is malfunctioning or has something wrong. The chest pain is not the problem. The pain is only the symptom or it's, it's the, it's the side effect of the problem. But the chest pain is what will make you call the rescue squad. The chest pain is what will drive you to the emergency room. The chest pain will cause you to get to the doctor's office. You know, the chest pain itself is not the problem. It's just the indication that there is a problem. It's merely a symptom, we call it. And we must realize a lot of times the things that are strongholds in our lives. They're just simply telling us There is a problem that's deeper than the stronghold that I'm facing. Are you with me? There is something. There is something. So in order to pull down the strongholds, Here's what we've got to do. We've, we've got to invade the enemy's camp. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, he said, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, 
he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. In Mark chapter 3, in Mark's gospel, Jesus said, In fact, no one can enter into a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. I want you to understand this. We've got to get into the enemy's camp. He's messing in our camp. He's messing in your camp. He's messing in your life. You, you know he is. I know he is. I know he messes in my life. He was messing in my life a couple weeks ago when I woke up at 5.30 in the morning and I'm in a, I'm burning up and I'm in a lather of sweat and, I, and I'm having this panic attack over some some silly truck that it doesn't mount to a whole lot of beans. It, it, it doesn't determine my destiny with God. It, 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 it's, it, you know, life will go on without that Ford truck if it had happened. And, you know, there's a lot of different things I could say about that but listen to this but but the enemy he, he wants to infiltrate our camp but 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 we've got to fight back this is how we fight our battles we've got to fight our battles we've got to fight our battles by submitting ourselves to the lord we've, we need to fight our battles by giving ourselves over to fasting and prayer if you're in this room and you're not, you've, you're not a Christian, you've never been born again, you're not saved by, by, by the work of faith in Jesus Christ, then, then, then you need Jesus to fight your battles. You need Him. You need to come to, the, to Jesus in faith. See, that's how we fight our battles. We've got to get down to business with God. David had to get out of his foxhole to fight Goliath. Nobody else would, but David did. He got out of the foxhole, so to speak. He he came up and he said, "Who is, who is who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this that would defy the army of Israel?" You know, probably I think a lot of the problem we have as Christian people. Most of us in this room understand a little bit about offense and defense. I see where, I saw where West Virginia squeaked by yesterday. While Virginia Tech had a significant win. But it takes offense and it takes defense. Both are good and both have their place. But you know what I find out in, in, in Christian life so often times? We, uh, you know, uh, we find ourselves operating on the defense. We don't pray until after it's happened. We don't fast until after it's done. We don't get all serious on God until after the tragedies occurred. Then we get all serious with Him. Hello? I got a two very faint amens there. But you know what? If God's people would get on the offense and before the tragedy ever happens, before anything ever occurs, before whatever, whenever, and however everything goes down, we've done been in communication with God. 
We've done, we, we have, we have, it's, it's not, we're not, we're not on the defense. We're not waiting till somebody breaks in the house. Listen, listen, uh, uh, I guess I'm getting too redneck on you right now. But if you don't wait to get the gun out of the safe and load it and, and pull the trip and pull the hammer back, let me tell you, the thief will overtake you before you ever get all that done. And you got your own opinion about, you know, firearms in the home, but, but if you really, if you're really concerned and you really think there's a threat, let me tell you something, you better off have that thing in the nightstand and have it locked and loaded and ready to go. Pardon my redneck illustration. But here's the deal. Too many times as believers, we're always reacting on the defense. We're waiting till after the fact of the matter. Whereas if we would every single day, we would walk with Him and we would talk with Him and we would have communion with Him along the way, I think we would find ourselves probably a little bit like the old man named Job. And Job's a scary man in the Bible because some of these people think his name's Job and that scares them to death. But his name's Job. And here's what Job says. Job says, though you may slay me, I am going to trust in you. I am ready. I'm prepared. I have maintained my integrity with you. This is not going to tear me down. It's not going to tear me up. It's not going to beset me. And it's not going to destroy me. I trust you, Lord. Even if you slay me, I'm still going to trust you. Listen, if we would find ourselves in the offensive rather than the defensive, we would tear down the strongholds of life, the things of life that we find that are that, that tear us down and we would just allow God to rule and reign in our life. I'm not done with this, but I'm done with this right now. If you'll stand to your feet. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to ask you the all important question. If you're in this room this morning and you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. I want to ask you this question. Would you be willing to give your heart and your life to Jesus today? Without Him, you you have very little defense. In fact, you really don't have any at all because you haven't taken on the armor of God, which is what Paul writes about in one of the passages we read this morning. If you're here and you're unsaved, let me tell you something that that doesn't do. Number one, to say you're unsaved doesn't qualify you as being a bad person. It doesn't qualify you as being inferior to another person in this room. It doesn't mean that that we don't love you and we. it doesn't mean that we reject you. But what it simply means that you need to be saved. You need to be born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and we're here ready to cheer you on. That's what that means. So if you're in this room or if you're watching by live stream this morning and you're unsaved, I'm just going to ask you, would you slip up your hand for me right now? I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you. I'm not going to drag you. Nobody's looking around in this moment. If you need to be saved, would you slip up your hand real quickly? Anybody in this room? Thank you. Is there anybody else in this room? Any other hands to go up? There's hands that have went up in the room. And I appreciate that. And I promise you, I've already told you, there's no embarrassment. 
Is there are there any other hands to be raised? I need Jesus this morning, preacher. Maybe you've maybe you've drifted far from home. Maybe you're a prodigal and you've went your own way and you need to come back to Dad's house. Would you slip up your hands? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I, I I need to get I need to get back to where I once was with the Lord. Would you slip up your hand, please, in this room? Say, this is what I want to ask you to do. For those that slipped up your hand, that you need you need to you know you need that relationship to be established with Jesus Christ. We're here to celebrate Him, and we're to celebrate you coming to Him. We want to have the party with you. And I would love for you, just right now, in all the bravery and all the courage that you have, and everything that's going to take in you, will you make a statement of faith by stepping out and coming down here this morning and let this church family gather with you as we make a commitment in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you come? Those that took their hands up this morning, would you come? Would you come? This is how you fight your battle. I want you to know that. This is how you're going to overcome. This is how you fight that battle. Don't be robbed of this moment. Yes. You're in this room this morning. You've got strongholds against you. You can have strongholds. You can have addictions. You can have circumstances that are coming against you. But you're tired of. You're wore out. I don't want any more panic attacks. I don't want any more circumstances that uh, unravel me. If that's you, if you're like me, come on down here. We're going to pray this morning. Can you join me right here? Come on, church. Don't be hindered. This is the moment. This is the moment right now. We need some prayer, people. We need some prayer, people.
How the sometimes that are, are that if we could if we could see what is happening in the spirit realm and the world around us, we would probably be overwhelmed by the demonic activity and the darkness that exists in the world. But I want you to know there's there's illustrations of scripture where where the people of God, the men of God, uh, they they were given they were given the land. Because the enemy began to see chariots of thousands, hundreds and thousands of men. Several years ago, Sarah and I stood on uh, the, the, the site of the six-day war in Israel. And, and there on the side of that mountain, there is, a, there is an abandoned Lebanese tank that still sits on the side of that mountain. It's there as a reminder and, and a memorial. All the rest of the tanks were abandoned. And the, the Israelis dismantled them and used them for scrap metal and the, the various working parts. But we asked the colonel that we were traveling with, we asked him about that tank and why that tank. He fought in that six-day war. He said, and you know, he said, we were told, has the Lebanese army, the Lebanese army by far outnumbered the, the Israeli army. There were The odds were very much stacked against the Israeli army. But that colonel, Colonel Shalom, he said, those people, we don't know what they saw, but they said they saw an army like they had never seen before. 
He said they witnessed an army like they had never seen in all of their life. And these are these are people, uh, 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 warriors, people of battle. He said it, it scared them to the point that they didn't even retreat in their tanks. They jumped out of the armed military tanks and left their tanks sitting on the side of that mountain and ran on foot in retreat just to try to escape the army that they saw approaching. And that army wasn't the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. But they believed with all of their heart it was the army of the Lord God of Israel. So listen, there may be a lot coming in around you. There may be a lot happening around you. But let me reassure you, yes, we live in the domain, the prince of this world. The prince of this world is 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 Satan. But understand this, the prince of peace is Jesus Christ. And he is encompassing you. And he is here to bless you. And he will fight your battles if you will submit to him. Amen. Amen. You can return to your seats if you if you like right now, just for a second. And I want to I just tell you. I don't know last weekend and this weekend I, I just tell you I, I was I, I, I was just feeling such a such a unction of the Holy Spirit working and moving and not bragging on me, but I just tell you he is he has been working. Even Charlie complimented me the other day. He said, "Preacher, you preached pretty good last Sunday." You know, he usually don't do that. No, I'm just picking at Charlie. He's my buddy. But listen, I want to share some announcements with you real quick about some things coming up. But listen, don't forget how to fight your battles. Don't forget how to fight your battles.